I'm Amelia. And I'm Sophie. And welcome to So Ma So Good, a Fruits Basket reboot podcast. And the very last episode where we'll be covering an episode of the Fruits Basket reboot, uh, which is crazy. Uh, um, until 2022, that is. Until 2022, but that's like an, it's uh, an OBA. movie thing, not an yeah. um, episode. So, and that's just going to be us screaming in rage for an hour. Um, yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> Our reunion tour. Our reunion tour. For those of you who don't know, they did announce that in 2022 they're putting out an OVA about Kyoko and Katsuya um, to adapt their backstory. Yep. Because that's what needed to be adapted. <laughs> I guess they cut it because it aged really poorly um, and is deeply problematic. Um <laughs> And we were like, you know, like, we both had kind of mixed feelings in the sense that, like, we felt like it was, like, an important part of the story, even though it's also objectively, like, the most fucking horrendous part of the story. Um, and the hardest, like, when I'm, like, talking to my friends and I'm like, it's, like, the thing that I f- feel like I have to disclaim the most heavily if I ever recommend Fruits Basket to anyone. Um, so, Yeah. Now it's going to get its whole own movie instead of what we thought was like them being like, well, it kind of sucks, but we're going to cut this, which I respected, if even if I thought it was kind of questionable. But this is infinitely more questionable. <laughs> yeah, no, it's real bad. But, um, but no, yeah, this is our last episode review. Yeah. Review? We're not, a, are we a review podcast? Analysis? We're, I think we're an analysis podcast. We're an analysis podcast. Pretty crazy, is, and, I st- and I still have as much bitching and moaning as I usually do. <laughs> Up until the very end. The very the end. end as we begin. begin. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's, like, it's also, like, it feels like such a weird thing where, like, I don't know, like, Fruits Basket, this reboot is ending right around the same time I graduated college. Which, like, watching this, I was like, oh, this is weird that they're all, like, kind of entering a transition period in their life, and I'm also doing that. And, like, uh, it's, and, you know, it's like Fruits Basket. She was there for me when I was a weird, socially isolated little 11-year-old. Um, and then she came back for me when I was trapped inside my childhood bedroom going crazy in the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, she's very special. Fruits Basket, for all we bitch and moan about, is very special to me. That's why we bitch and moan about it, because we love it so much. Exactly. exactly. But no, it, it, it is wild, because like, it's like, it kind of sucks that I feel like, even though the first season came back in 2019, I still feel like I'm gonna associate Fruits Basket with the pandemic for the rest of my life, unfortunately, because that's when we started this podcast, and, like, you know, in 2019, I still had other things going on in my life, but, like, when season two in particular was airing, I had nothing going on at all, um, because my entire industry shut down, so I was literally just sitting in my apartment for months, watching Fruits Basket over and over again, um, so it is kind of wild that it's ending like kind of similar to you like just as like America at least is like actually feeling like things are starting to get back to normal the theater industry has been reopening a little bit um and um a lot of people are vaccinated so yeah I don't know it kind of feels appropriate it's like kind of the next step yeah 
Serendipitous. Thought I would have 13 more weeks, but honestly, I, this kind of feels right. Yeah. It does. Yeah. And now I know if Fruits Basket ever comes back, something fucked up's gonna happen in my life again. Oh god. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You know what I do associate a disaster that I associate Fruits Basket with from my childhood is there was like a tsunami in Indonesia. Oh, <laughs> and like, no. I guess it was in 2004, 2005. <laughs> I associate Fruits Basket with the terrible charter school I went to for one year in which I had like no friends and was just like obsessive about Fruits Basket to fill the gaping hole in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. When, when no one's got you for uh, Natsuki, Takaya's got you. Takaya has me when no one else does. She doesn't know it. She doesn't know who I am. She doesn't know my complicated relationship with her body of work. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that there was no OP. They did that just for me. Just for me. Yeah, no, thank you for, the OP. for that one. Well, I mean, this is not the worst OP of the reboot, no. but... Um, I still don't like it. <laughs> There's been no OP where I've been like, this slap, you know? No, not it's a just, single one. It's been, I hate this shit, to like, okay, all right. Yeah, like, I would say the best one for me was the second season two one. I didn't watch it, but still. Yeah. But truly nothing will hit like the second season two ed when the episode would end it, and i would just be like sayonara <laughs> holy shit what just happened outside did the rain finally hit damn i think it just started pouring that's fucking awesome anyway anyway yeah i can um, feel it holy shit anyway um, anyway we can do our, our entire series retrospective next week <laughs> So true, so true. Let's, where did I put my fucking notebook? <laughs> right? Listeners, I um, am a busy, a busy man, and <laughs> I uh, am just kind of frazzled these days, so if I'm not quite 100% my sharpest and I get distracted by so many noises um, and misplace my notebook, that's just kind of how it's gonna be. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, Sue. First date, pretty cute. Uh, yeah, no, I like, I like their first little date. It's a cute, fun little animal adventure. They go to the zoo. Um, Uwo and Hana are there, and they're fucking hilarious. Um. Dude. <laughs> Here's my theory about what Uwo Tani says. Uh... So what she- okay, I wrote down the line. She said, I bet you're afraid of heights and your bleep gets all bleep. Here's what I think she said. I bet you're afraid of heights and your balls get all shriveled. Yeah, I thought- yeah. I thought it was, like, a joke about, like, your balls, like, retracting. That's basically what I assume it is. Yeah, okay. and actually I think- I was talking to someone about the dub, and I think that she does start saying the word shriveled in the dub, so- <gasps> Uo, I'm obsessed with you. That's fucking so hilarious. So fucking funny. I love that she's just, like, screaming, and Kyo is like, please stop talking about my balls at the zoo. Um, <laughs> it's like, they get together, and and both of them, like, Uo and Hana, are instantly, like, 
sex is now on the table. We're talking about it. And Kyo's like, I don't yeah. want to talk about it. So I was like, please, this is none of your business. And uh, Hana is like, unfortunately, I can read your mind. <laughs> but then Hana's like, Hana's talking about like Toru's panties slipping as she bends over to pet cats. You guys! Girl! Yeah. No, it's so funny how, like, I, this this joke did, li- or no, this was in Fruits Basket Another, where, like, Shigure is talking about how he's like, oh, I don't want to leave, like, Kyo and Toru home alone. Who knows what they'll get up to. Oh, the Mabudachi arc. Yeah, or yeah, it's not another. It's, like, the Mabudachi no, arc. No, it's a bunch I, of people. A bunch of people are like, Shigure, you can't leave the two of them at home alone together. <laughs> so funny um and also it's so funny that people are like this is like dumb fandom drama this isn't a dumb fandom drama podcast but it's so funny that some people were like Hyo and Toru don't fuck because like they're too pure and sweet for that and I'm like what the fuck are you talking about dude Takaya literally posted some art the other day of Kyo's hands just fully on Toru's ass yeah I (laughs) I don't know what to say they fuck. I mean, they have three kids, but also, like, they fuck, and all the other characters are, like, making jokes about it, so. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's, they're fucking, like, 18-year-olds in a relationship. I don't know what you think is happening. Um, yeah, but that was fucking hilarious. Um, right. Oh, oh, no, I thought it was really funny that, like, Toru's like, oh, this is, like, my idea. And they're like, oh, like, actually, this is a cute date. We just love fucking with Kyo. And Kyo just looks like he's aging. He's like, I am fucking dying. Um, I love, like, the way that, like, it's. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I want more homeroom friend-like scenes. Because I think that, like, we, well, with the hospital art getting cut, we didn't get, there were a bunch of scenes, if I'm remembering correctly, of Yuki teaming up with Uo and Hana to make fun of Kyo, which, like, is great because previously, like, Yuki was being legit, just, like, super mean, but, like, in the hospital arc, obviously, he's over it, so he's being, like, playfully mean the same way that Uo and Hana are. Um, yeah. But just, like, I think that, like, the five of them, the six of them, um... It's the five of them, and then, like, Haru and Momiji are a year younger than them and sometimes join. Yeah, but I want specifically homeroom buddies. Okay. It's five. I I can't do math. It's five of them. It's five, yes. Um, I just think that they're really funny, and it kind of sucks that, like, after season one, we basically, like, don't see them interact anymore. Because, like, I yeah. think that they were really, like, sweet. And I think that, um, like, Kyo and Yuki are friends with Uo and Hana on a much more, like, casual level. But, like, I think that it's good that they have casual friends. Yeah. No, it's fun. I, I like, I think, like, to, like, I just... You know, it's Fruits Basket is that thing where it's long enough, where it's, like, you've got time to have, like, a big cast and, like, just, like, give this sense of, like, this network of people that are all, like, buds and stuff. It's nice. And I, like, I mean, every scene with them is really funny and good. And so, yeah, yeah, I miss, I'm gonna miss them. And it is sad that they basically don't interact. Except in season one. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah. And then they go to the little cat thing. Then they go to the thing. fucking creepy little cat room. I hate these cats. I hate these cats so much. 
Why do they have, like, anime cat girl faces? Why do they have human eyes? I'm gonna kill these people for animating these creepy-ass cats. Maybe they're also humans who are cursed to turn into cats. Don't say that, bestie. <laughs> I... <laughs> the artistic decision to give these cats human eyes is so upsetting to me. It's well, so... okay. I paused to read the poster. I always pause to read signs and posters and stuff in anime because I want to know what they say. Um, and it has a picture of a real cat on it. It's like, it's like a, the poster is drawn and then there's a picture of a real cat with a bunch of like filters on it so that it looks like it's like drawn at a glance. But I was looking at it for so long. I was like, you guys have no money. <laughs> Whose cat is this? <laughs> It's like, it's either they got it off Google Images or it's just like someone in the office. They're like, I need a picture of your cat. God. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hate these cats. I did like the moment where, um, like, the cat, like, turns away at, from Kyo and Kyo kind of, like, leans back a little. Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's, like, a little weird for him. Like, it's just, mm -hmm. like, kind of new. Um, yeah. And then Toru sees that and just, like, sits next to him. Which I liked very. It was like, a good little moment. Yeah, they're in tune. Um, yeah. Uh, and then they have the little scene of Toru picking up all the beads off the ground. Mm. Um, which is which I really, I really liked that they moved that to this episode. Yeah. I thought that was a I good choice. I don't know where, like, it wouldn't have fit in the other, in the last two. Um, so yeah. I thought that this worked really well. Agree. Um, and, you know, they have the, like, Kyo's, like, says his little line about how, like, loving someone isn't just, like, loving the person that they are right in this moment, but also, like, who they're going to be in the future and, like, embracing the past versions of them, too. And I'm like, yeah. This is why they're the only relationship that makes it out of high school. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, I also, I like the bead thing just as a function of tying back to, like, a theme that was introduced, like, very early in Fruits Basket, um, by, like, Toru and Momiji. That, um, you know, your experiences, no matter how adverse they are, are worth remembering because our memories are what make us who we are. Um, I really like that as a running theme in Fruits Basket and I like how they tie it back at the end with the piece. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but wait, going back to what you just said, so yeah, Kyo goes on this whole spiel about how you have to love, like, loving someone means embracing all versions, um, past and future, and then it immediately cuts to Kakeru asking Yuki about college. <laughs> Does Ibata think about the implications of where he cuts scenes, question mark? I don't think he does. I don't think he does either. Well, actually, yeah. that's not true. I actually think he does think about the implications of where he cuts scenes, because I actually think that the editing of Fruits Basket is one of its strong suits. Um, okay. Like, there are a lot of, like, scenes that are, like, cut in really interesting ways, um, like, throughout Fruits Basket. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he was trying to imply... I don't think he was trying to rope Kakeru and Yuki into that, obviously, but, yeah. uh, he did. <laughs> he sure did. 
Yeah. Like, it's, like, immediately after Kyo's done talking, Ka- it, Kakiru has a line about Yuki going to college. Ibata. Ibata? Hello? I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are they drinking, I'm try. are they drinking, like, beer? Or are they drinking, like, barley tea or something? Uh, they're definitely not drinking beer, because they're 18 and the drinking age in Japan is 20. Um, I assume they're drinking tea. I didn't really notice. Yeah. They're probably drinking, like, a cold tea. Yeah, probably, like, barley tea or something. Yeah. So it's, like, I love, I love Kakadu's little action figure in front of so his glass. So cute. So cute. Just a really sweet little detail. Yeah. Um... This whole scene was so cute. I it, it like it, just... it sucks that Kakeru just got like obliterated from a season three. Like he's just like not in it, which is sad because I really like Kakeru. Um, yeah. But I'm glad that we got this scene. I was really living in fear that we weren't gonna see him again. Yeah. No, I fully thought that he would be gone. That yeah. like the last time we would see him was when he called Toru Yuki's mommy. Yeah. But no, we got this funny little. It's like kind of an anime only scene. I think it's basically an anime-only scene, yeah. Because... Yeah, it's like a combination of a couple of scenes in the manga. Yeah. And they kill his girlfriend. Yeah, no, Komaki, like, is in part of this scene that they adapted it from, but Komaki does not exist in the anime. Truly hilarious. Sorry, Komaki. Yeah. Komaki, girl, you were a plot device. You were cute, but, like... You didn't really add anything, and you were full of- and it was just like the plot contrivances involved in your whole existence made me very annoyed, so I can't say I'm mad you got cut at all. I actually quite- I I like- it's just like it was an annoying part of the story, and it does like get rid of a significant part of Cockadoo's character. Right. But I don't mind that much that we lost that. We still like Cockadoo. And it's just, like, this season, he wasn't just in. He just really wasn't in this season. So, I'm glad they didn't randomly give him... I I just think it's really funny he has a fake girlfriend now. It's extremely funny that he has a fake girlfriend. I'm with you, because, like, I don't think that, like... I mean, it sucks that she got cut, right, like you said, because it affects Kakeru's character. Yeah. And it, like, kind of, like, strips some... Not all... Not a lot, but some of the parallels he had with Kyo... Um, mm-hmm. and it definitely takes away, like, the com- Not really. It's like, he does have a character arc in season two, um, but his backstory with Komiki just adds depth to it, so it makes him a little more shallow, but I also think that, like, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. But I actually fully thought that she was, like, I thought that the scene was gonna, I thought the camera was gonna pull out and Komaki was gonna be sitting there. Me too. I was like, oh, they're in his apartment. They're gonna bring, Komaki's gonna be, like, introduced for, like, one scene. No. No. Completely written out. Well, I mean, he mentions he has a girlfriend in season two. Yeah, once. once. And she goes to a different school. So, like, I guess she's just fake. She's literally fake. He has a fake girlfriend, um... Which is so funny. So like, funny. Like, like, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Manga Kakadu is bi, but anime Kakadu, he's gay. Um. Yes, he's gay. Yeah. <laughs> um. The way he's looking at Yuki in this scene, that's gay. That's gay. That's a gay. 
He's, I love his voice actor. I know he's not doing it like it's like, but he's just like he fits the role so perfectly. So I actually read something. His name is Eguchi. I read something about him where apparently he read Fruits Basket when he was younger with his sister, and he really connected with Kakeru, and and he was like he loved Kakeru, and so he was really excited to play Kakeru because he like related to him. And I, wow. it, like it does sound like, and I always have thought this about Aguchi that he is having a lot of fun playing the character, which I love because you should have fun playing a character like Kakeru. Absolutely. If you're not having fun playing Kakeru, then you're not like embodying Kakeru. Right. Like I feel like if you were having a terrible time, it would come through, and then it would make Kakeru seem like weird and not <laughs> like, like himself. You know who was having a terrible time playing his character, but it fits. Is who? the guy who plays Kurano. Yeah. Have I ever told you about what he said about Kurino? No. He's like, <laughs> I watched like a couple of interviews. It was like him and um, Shimazaki and Uchida, Yuki and Kyo. Um, and like a bunch of times he said something along the lines of like, it would like, so they like were showing scenes from season two and it was like a cute scene with Kyo and Toru and it was like a cute scene with like Yuki and Machi. And the guy who played, I can't remember his name, but the guy who plays Kurino is like, man, you guys get to have like such fun little scenes. Like, my character's just really sad. <laughs> and like, it just like really seems like he does not enjoy playing Kurino. Like, that was the vibe I was getting from him, which is so appropriate for the guy playing Kurino. Also, every photo I've ever seen of him, it looks like he's, like, being, like, held at gunpoint. <laughs> they were like, how do we find some miserable guy to play a character and have a terrible time doing it? Because that's he's what we like, need for Kaka- for Kareno. He's like, yeah, Kareno has a really, like, adult storyline, and, like, he's, it's just really sad. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking so funny. funny. Oh so my god. The polar opposite of Aguchi. Yeah, <laughs> Who also, by yeah. the way, this is so random and has nothing to do with anything, but he has bright green hair. That's so fun. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I love Kakadu. I'm gonna miss that funny little man. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad he got this cute little scene. I can't remember if- does he go to college in the manga? I think he takes over his girlfriend's, like, business. Yeah. I thought that was the thing. Me too. So they're, so they're like, actually, uh, he's going to attend university instead of doing something insane, like, take oh. over his girlfriend's family business. Congrats on the higher education, Kakeru. Yeah, and not, like, taking your girlfriend's job. I know, she's the angel of meat. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is wrong? I don't understand. Anyway. Um, he's like, I'm gonna disown my own inheritance and take my girlfriend's. What? That did not make sense. Yeah, um, no, it did not. Maybe that's why they got rid of Komaki. Yeah. <laughs> as I mean, as if Takaya cares about her horrific gender politics. She doesn't. Yeah, she does not, no. Um, um, and then Machi rolls up. Machi rolls up. And she kills Kakadu, and that's why we don't see him again. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. It's like, ugh, it, it's like, I think that, like, Machi and Kageru, like, their, like, little antagonistic rapport is very cute, but I also think that we never actually saw any, um, development to this kind of familiarity that they have in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we kind of see it, like, when they go to her apartment, 
but it's more like I feel like it's more coming from Kakeru, which is like very in character for Kakeru to be very antagonistic, and Machi is just really embarrassed. Um, but in this scene, she's a lot more like proactive and just like more active in general. Um, and we never actually see her get to that point with Kakeru. We never see her get to any of the points she gets to. No. She just abruptly starts acting in ways, and you're like, I guess this is how Machi acts now. Yeah. Um. It's, it sucks. It. Society, if, like, Takaya actually completed the Yuki IMA parallel that she set up with, um, Kakeru and Machi. Yeah. They, yeah, their ha- their relationship has so much potential, and they she did she did nothing with that. And it sucks because I feel like familial relationships is something that Sakaya is extremely strong at writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I don't think that there's a single familial relationship in Fruits Basket that like doesn't hit, including the ones that are like not even that well explored, like particularly like. Yuki and his mom and and I am a and his mom um like a lot of the parents like you can tell like there was a lot like of thought put into them even if it's not actually touched on um but the thing mm-hmm. that she decides to go for is romance which is by far her weakest um the weakest thing that she's that to I can't talk the thing that she's weakest at writing <laughs> yeah I mean it's like Takaya is both terrible and good at writing romance. No, no, I don't think she's bad at writing romance. I think it's the thing she's the weakest at. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, okay. And she's, like, really inconsistent. Yeah. I guess that's a better word. She's really inconsistent, because, like, obviously, like, there are romances in Fruits Basket that are fucking transcendent. Um, But then there are romances that make me want to murder someone, (laughs) because they're so bad. Um, or or I'm just bored out of my mind. Um, But, like, with the friendships and the family, um, it's not like that at all. She's very consistently great at those. So, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Then we go back to the zoo. We go back to the zoo. And Hana Uh... reads Kyo's mind. (laughs) (laughs) She fully reads his mind. She fully reads his mind. And he's just like, can you not? Can you please? Would you mind not reading my mind? Uh, so fucking funny. I I like that it's like, I think it's funny that I I actually think the way Takaya wrote Hana in this scene is really smart because this is her, this is Hana like avoiding the fact that she's sad. She's like leaning into the fact that she's, she's like, just, like, fucking with Kyo because she thinks it's funny to distract herself from the fact that she's sad. Yeah. And so, like, I really liked how... I, I really like this little scene between the three of them. Um, I, it, I think it, like, brushes very close with the, like, take care of our daughter, you are her protector now. But I think it actually feels very, like, right to me, like, the way mm. this is. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I like that it's, like, uh, she starts, she first, like, Hana initially tries to broach the topic, and she's, like, you're gonna, like, move away with Toru, like, you're taking her away, and, like, the whole, like, the mood just drops, um, and Kyo is, like, doesn't really know what to say, and he starts to apologize, 
and then Hana, uh, because I think this, like, makes her uncomfortable, and talking about her feelings earnestly is making her uncomfortable, she, like, immediately jumps into the joke and is like, I'll forgive you if you call me mama, which is so <laughs> fucking funny. Um, one of the best running bits in Fruits Basket. Uh, so funny. Yeah. Uh, and then Uo steps over and is like, Hana, let's, let's, let's cool it a little bit. Um, you know, uh, and I like that they're like, uh, they're like, we're fucking with you, but like, we do like you, and you are a good guy, even though you're a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> just a butt, just dumb as rocks. <laughs> but it's like, which, uh, but you know, it's like, yeah, it's them being like, Toru is someone who's extremely important to us and she's our family, and she was there for us in extremely hard times, and we have done what we can to, like, be there for her as her friend. And also, like, Toru, like, this is, like, Toru's home and where Toru's support system is, uh, and so, like, we're really, like, trusting on, like, trusting you to, like, look out for her and make sure she's gonna be, like, good since she's, like, moving to a whole new place alone. Yeah. Yeah, no, agreed. I also thought the scene between them was really sweet. Um, I, I really like that, like, Uo and Hana go out of their way to explicitly tell Kyo that he is, that they consider him their friend. Um, yeah. Just because their relationship is, like, it's, an, it's, like, lovingly antagonistic, but, like, it's still antagonistic, you know? Um, yeah. So I like that they're, like, we like you. Um, and, and you're important to Toru, and that makes you important to us, basically. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, I think it's nice. I think it's, like, there's definitely, like, something to, like, when you graduate high school and you're leaving the friends you've had for the most, um, uh, what's it called? Formative. When you're leaving the friends you've had for the most formative years in your life, and it's this, like, very bittersweet thing. Um, yeah. I think that, like, this scene in particular, like, captured that really well. It's also, like, like, I think it's really compounded by the fact that Toru is an orphan. Yeah, definitely. And, like, so they really are, like, she has, like, this, we're, we're the fan, like, the closest thing to family she has, and so are you, and, like, we're really counting on you to basically, yeah. like, take care of each other and make sure you guys are gonna be... Especially yeah. because, like, in America, like, when you graduate high school, most people kind of have the buffer of college, but Kyo and Toru are not going to college. They're graduating high school and they're starting adult life, and that is a really big step. Um, yeah. And, but, and I really like that they're, like, at, we we are glad that Toru's taking this really big transitional step, life step with you, Kyo. Mm hmm Yeah. No, it was a really sweet moment. I liked it a lot. And I think yeah. it could have, like, like, I liked that they cut all the, like, hospital arc, like, oh, same. you hurt her, whatever bullshit, and instead just chose to be, like, they're antagonizing him, but, like, in good fun, yeah. and also, like, but genuinely do, like, like and trust him and think they're going to be happy together. I think that's, like, way more fitting for all of the characters and for the story than the bullshit that happened in the yeah. manga. 
big agree. Um, yeah. Good adaptation. Sometimes the anime makes a change for the good. Yeah. Not that often, but sometimes. I don't know. I feel like there were, like, a couple of... Like, okay, I think that a lot of the artistic adaptational changes were, like, bad. <laughs> like, generally. Yeah. But I think that the way that they restructured the manga throughout the whole series were actually really good choices. Yeah, I'd agree. It made Act 3... I mean, I think that Act 3 suffered from being super condensed yeah. because of whatever money issues they were having or something. I don't know. Something went wrong. Uh, so I think, like, Act 3... Like, or Season 3 has kind of weird pacing, mm-hmm. but it's still, like, a lot more comprehensible than Act 3 of the manga. Right. Yeah, it it is, like... It's super fast and rushed, but, um, and, like, especially when you compare it to, like, season one and season three are adapting the same amount of chapters, but season one had twice the time. Yeah. Um, so, like, in that, yeah, the pacing was, like, breakneck, like, it was pretty fucking weird sometimes. Like, it, it, get, it was a lot of, like, whiplash. Yeah, and they cut, basically, it down to the very bare bones to make the plot make sense, and so, right. like, that's why Machi's entire character just, like, evaporated which was like frustrating um because i think they just made and i mean that's also probably why komaki was cut so like in some ways it was like yeah this was like there were a lot of weird plot threads that were kind of like too much and confusing and didn't really add anything to the story so it's good those got cut because they had to like really crunch it down but then there's also like oh machi's character arc was completely fucking obliterated right Um, um, but I think that, like, the way, like, like other than the cuts, like, the way, because, like, they were yeah. adapting, like, chapters that were ten chapters away from each other, like, in the same episode. And, like, I think that all of those choices were actually, like, really good. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Except for when they moved Yuki, thinking about telling Machi about the curse to, like, the very beginning of the season. Which me and Amelia were looking through the mangas the other day, and, um... Because that's what we do in our spare time. We look through the Fruits Basket mangas together. Um, and that scene where he thinks about telling her is, like, way at the end of the manga. And it's the beginning of season three. That was weird. And we did comment on how weird. weird that was. But other than that, I like the way that they shuffled everything around. Same with season two. Yeah. They did a little bit of reshuffling, and I thought it worked really well. Yeah. Then we go home. We do. We go home. They're cleaning. Tori's wiping down the little window. We love a window. Uh, we love a window. No, I like that she she's cleaning the window. Because, um, like, windows are obviously a big thing in Fruits Basket. Um, but I think it's just, you know, she has a clear vision of a future that her and Kyo can make with their own hands. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Sweet. Yeah. We have this sweet little scene. It's so cute. Uh, I like that Kyo's got the vacuum. Um, equality. Uh, anyway, Equal- you know. the gender equality. Gender equality in this one scene. Feminist King Kyo. Feminist King Feminist- Kyo because they cut his really sexist remark about Akito. Scream. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much for cutting that, Ivata. I hate that line. I forget what that line is because I didn't want to know. Uh, after he, f- it's like after they find out that Akito's a woman, he's like, "Oh, I feel bad about being rough with Akito because she's a woman." Shut the fuck up. 
Akito obliterated you in every conversation you had. And they were a woman the whole time, bitch. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Reboot Kyo is a feminist king now. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> but I like this mo. Like, Toru is like... I think it's like... She's just like reflecting on like the past like three years of her life. And I mean us as watchers know that those years have been, like, insane and traumatic. Um, but it's also, like, she's right. Like, they've been a lot of fun, and she's made a lot of really amazing friends and, like, had a home she really liked living in and, uh, like, made a life for herself that was, despite, like, the Soma insanity, was, like, good. Um, and she's sad, and she's also able to be like, I'm sad. And not force herself to be happy and only be like, yeah, moving on, next best bright thing. Because I could see how Toru would do that and be like, why be sad when I've got all this good stuff ahead of me? Like, she's actually, like, taking the time to, like, sit with the moment and be like, you know, I'm really going to miss this place. Yeah. So true. So true. I also liked all of the memories that they picked. Yeah. But, yeah, it is nice that she can sit with her sadness now. Yeah. Because, I mean, so much of Fruits Basket is about, like, the consequences of, like, refusing to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that destroys so many characters' lives. Um, and so the fact that this is just, like, a little quiet scene of Toru, like, sitting and, like, being sad uh, is really nice. And then Kyo comes over and gives her a hug because yeah. he can give her a hug now. The hug is um, cute. It's cute. Um, and it just, it, I feel like because of its fruits basket, it feels so special every time they can hug. It's like, yeah, I know. Um, and so it's cute. And he's like, you realize that, like, everyone fucking adores you, right? Like, you are just so beloved by fucking yeah. everyone you meet, basically. And people are gonna keep in touch, and just because we're, like, moving on doesn't mean we're really, like, gonna say goodbye to any of these people. Which I think is good, and really what she needed to hear. Definitely. Toru is bad at processing that everyone fucking loves her. She's like, everyone is great, I'm just some guy. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, very sweet little moment. They're good. Uh, the irony of having that, that, like, really, like, I think it, I feel like that scene is like really emotionally rewarding for the audience, um, and then following it up with emptiness, Yuchi emptiness. First of all, it's like okay, so he gives her the key to his his new apartment, and then like whatever they like make a little joke, and he goes to like throw it out the window. We love a bastard Yuki with again no build up to this like, <laughs> way that cause, like he it was does so... like build up. To, the, to acting this way in Act 3, except they cut all of it. <laughs> so he's just being an asshole out of, like, completely nowhere. <laughs> it's so funny, but it's, like, it doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, like, it's a really funny joke, but, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I love when Yuki is just, like, looks so, like, serene and smiley, but is acting like a huge bitch. It's yeah. so funny every time he does that. It is very funny. Um, um, yeah. I, I did make note of a line, um, whatever, so, like, they have that, that little moment, and, um, 
and they're talking about how Toru's gonna leave tomorrow, and Machi says, will it make you sad? And he says, yeah, of course. Which, I love how easily he says it. I think that, like, like I personally think that out of every character in Fruits Basket, Yuki changes the most from beginning to end. And I think that this line just really, like, sums that up and how easily he's able to admit that um, he's sad that Toru's leaving. Which is not something, like, he would not be able to even access that emotion in the very beginning. I also made a note of the exact same line where I was just like, it's really good that this is something he's able to, like, casually admit. And, like, because I think, I mean, Yuki had such, like, a complex about being perceived as weak and, like, especially emotional weakness. Um, Because it's not like he, I mean, he was sickly, but I don't think he was ever... But he could also, like, beat Kyo's ass, you know? Right. So it was, like, he was more fixated on this idea of, like, emotional weakness and the idea that he can just, like, be like, yeah, this thing makes me sad and not, like, feel ashamed of that or, like, feel self-conscious about sharing it is just, like, wow, good for him. Yeah. We love to see it. So true. Um, And then just, like the most awkward kiss not in the manga by the way just a complete lack of chemistry no chemistry they're they're literally like like leaving room for jesus why are you guys leaving room for jesus you're not the way he's he's like bending his knee oh it's so awkward like the directing is awkward why did they make it so awkward it didn't have to be because it was an added (laughs) thing you didn't have to do this Two at the Yukaru shipper who boards Fruits Basket, I guess. Thank you so much. But did you have so, to do Machi like this? Yeah. Machi died for Yukaru. <laughs> she really uh, did. Which is not what I wanted, but no. is what happened. Um, yeah. Yuchi, we say it every week. This, this season, every week we say this, but Yuchi lost. Yuchi lost. And on this final episode, now more than ever, Yuchi <laughs> lost. Truly incredible. I couldn't have asked for anything better. <laughs> I mean, I could have asked Raji to have an arc, but such is life. Yeah. Um, and then... And then we get another infuriating thing. Uh, yep. Why did they do Ritsu like this? Ritsu, I'm Tell so me why Ritsu sorry. looks like recolored Yuki. Dude, she literally does. Dude, why, why does you... Ritsu has the like I'm androgynous and a soma haircut? Every androgynous soma must have this ugly ass haircut. Why? why? Don't make her do this. She was so cute. She probably spent so much time growing out her hair, like, taking care of it. I know. And then you gave her this weird androgynous Soma mop. Uh, The Soma mop. And just, like, to address, like, because I've been, like, seeing these rebuttals and I think they're so dumb. Obviously, like, real trans women can be butch or masculine if they want to like that's their choice but the difference is that ritsu doesn't actually have any autonomy because ritsu has to do ritsu's not real she has to do what takaya says and what takaya says is ritsu is now a man um and this is how i'm showing it um by changing her presentation 
and it's just really disappointing and it did not have to be this way like i think that it would have been a really basically effortless change um from the manga to keep ritsu um like presenting female because as she's stated um it's how she feels most comfortable yeah i just like like real life human beings have complicated relationships with their gender that can change over time if this was a real human person that was like you know as a teenager i presented as a woman but when i was older i moved away from that and decided to present more masculine like with my assigned gender at birth like that's fine because that's a real human person actually making those decisions but it just sucks that it, it, it's it's the reason is because it's like as a as a function of the narrative it's implying that like gender nonconformity is a symptom of like distress or right. mental illness or something and that yeah. it's something and that when you heal and become a healthier happier person you will stop being gender nonconforming right like the issue is that it's like tied into this idea that like gender nonconformity while is not something you should like judge someone for exactly or not and not someone something you should make someone feel guilty about it's also like the same way you shouldn't bully someone for like having braces <laughs> Right, like, you shouldn't exactly. bully people because bullying is bad, but gender nonconformity is still a symptom of something bad, is, like, right. basically what the narrative is presenting. Yeah, exactly. Because also, like, Ritu obviously is not the only character who this happens to. Like, Akito, Big One, Momiji, and also, to some extent, Yuki. Yeah. It's, like, the way that Yuki dresses in the beginning, like, obviously is more... It, it's It has to do with the the traditionalism and influence and stuff like that but like the way that he dresses in the beginning is much more feminine than the way that he ends up i mean he literally dresses like kakeru at the end he does which is a pretty masculine way to present himself and it's like i don't i don't think with you i don't have a problem with yuki's style changing at all um but he does go from looking a lot dressing a lot more feminine than at the end yeah I don't it's, know. And it's just all informed by Takaya's own bigotry. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ritsu and Michan should not be together, but uh, also I did think that it, this is the best day of Mitsuri's life. Best day so of her fucking true. life. She's literally like, the evil is defeated. Shigure and has she's... dropped... Oh, no, she's right for that. Yeah. <laughs> Shigure dropped everything to be with Akito. I hate it here so much, but good for Mitsuru. Good for Mitsuru. She is finally free. <laughs> like, I'm so happy for her. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't like them as a ship. They should be friends. No. I mean, they're believable as a ship, but they're like that, that couple that gets together because they're super similar, and then they, like, drive each other crazy, and then they, like, have to break up. They, like, exacerbate each other's anxiety. Yeah. Um... Kagura is being really weird. <laughs> I'm like, girl, I thought, like, you were, like, trying to get over this. She's so entitled. I hate her. She <laughs> just, I hate her so much from beginning to end. It, I feel like it would, I would like it more if, like, because she has that moment of, like, being like, I guess I have to move on, and the way I viewed Kyo was really fucked up. But then, 
And it's like she has changed, but also she hasn't. Yeah. Just like you can like go get a regular boyfriend now, Kagura. Just do Yeah, that. you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. Like she's in college. Uh, you literally don't have to do this. <laughs> uh and then she whatever, she's like but I know that, like, they will be happy. And then they stare at the camera. They stare at the fucking camera. I was like, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I was going to say uh, three gay people looking at each other, but Kagura was straight. Yeah. Um. No. That was weird as fuck. That was, like, really unnerving. Did not like that. Did not like that. They are looking. I'm like, am I hovering in the corner of the room? Like, hello? The only character I can accept that from is Haru. Yeah. But that's because yeah. he's broken the fourth wall before. Yeah, Haru breaks the fourth wall. It's one of his qualities. And it's funny. But he, yeah, Haru's good. And I like, and I mean, it, when Haru breaks the fourth wall, it's like for comedy. Listeners, it's not Soma so good without some random technical difficulties on my end. Um, so, <laughs> where we last spoke, that's actually recorded, I was talking about how Haru be breaking the fourth wall, but it's funny and it works for his character. And it was creepy and weird when Kagura and Ritsu stared at us as we floated in the corner. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's basically everything we have to say on that scene. So we can move on to uh, Momiji and Haru, my boys. So good. And so Mina's there, sulking. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of, I do like the way they kind of cutesify yeah. her. I think it's um, funny. Like, it sucks, but it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's a lot of that in Fruits Basket. It sucks. So true. But it's funny. There's a lot of that just, like, in the world. Um, yeah. So true. That's just life. It sucks, but sometimes it's funny. So they're chatting. They're talking about how Shigure is gloating about the fact that no one fucking punched him. Which is a call- Like, this is a reference mm -hmm. to, I think, some- I don't think this was actually in the manga, No. No, I think that it is, because, um, I think, uh, Hatsuri said No, but, like, this conversation between Momiji and Haru. Right? I- f I don't know. I feel like it's not in the manga, because I feel like, uh, like, it was something that Takaya mentioned, like, as, like, uh, mm -hmm. in an interview or something, that she originally planned on having, like, Yuki or Kyo punch Shigure, and then their character arcs progressed to the point where they were like, they would actually not really do this, and so it just never happened. And so I think that's kind of <laughs> reference- like, that's referencing this, I think? That's what I think happened, because I'm pretty sure this conversation only happens in this anime. Yeah, so I, I like this little meta-conversation, I think it's really funny, and then I th and then Momiji's like, uh, yeah, it's because he's a man-child and we're all more mature than him. Um, yeah, it's because everyone at Fruits Basket had a character, a character arc except for him <laughs> and Hatsuri. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was a fun little moment. I love Momiji. I love the decisions his voice actor has made with his character. 
I think this, like, voice that she's chosen to do for him now that he's no longer, like, putting on this performance is super fitting. It sounds really natural and, like, just it really works for his character. Um, great. I mean, Momiju's a really hard character to act, I feel like, just because he's really complex and he has just, like, a lot of range in the kinds of things you're gonna have to do with him. Like, you have to be the com a comedic character, but he also has a lot of more serious scenes, and he also has this whole weird performance thing of, like, putting on this cutesy act that he eventually grows out of, or will drop to have serious conversations with other characters, like, on the side. Um, and so, uh, I think they did a really good job with him. Yeah, agree. And, like, yeah, like, I've said this before, but I've always thought that Momiji's voice actor was very talented, and, like, I think that she really understands Momiji, but I didn't, I just, like, didn't really like the quality of voice that she was using in the beginning. It's, but also, again, like, I understand why she did it. Like, Momiji is an archetype um, that obviously is subverted later, um, and I just, I love the way that she's been playing Momiji post puberty slash just him dropping the act um like i think that the quality of the voice that she's using in this scene and and the scenes that um momiji has had since his growth spurt have been like great like i think he sounds amazing like that is exactly like how i want momiji to sound that's my boy that's my boy right here um yeah <laughs> yeah and then he starts like he i love him like momiji has like changed and grown into this fun little like bitchy character a little bit so yeah, good. it's so good. Um, I love his body language. I, um, him like slapping the table, and he's it's so funny, so good. It's so funny. He like he kind of like reminds me a little bit of how like Yuki ends up developing. A little bit, too. yeah. Um, it's like it's a little bit Yuki. It's like a little bit Shigure, which like we've talked about how Momiji and and Shigure are. Um, similar, and, like, Shigure sometimes does, like, bitchy things like this, but it's also very, like, it's just very on-brand for Momiji. Like, I think it was a really fun choice to have him grow into, oh my god, oh my no. air conditioner's still on. <laughs> Whatever, if my air conditioner was on for the last five minutes, sorry. Um, <laughs> um... What was I saying? Oh yeah, I just think that it was a really fun direction to take Momiji's character and it fits him really well. Uh, I love his little- here. he's like, I can't believe Kyo would do this to us. So cruel, depriving us of Toru, <laughs> taking her far away. Can you believe it? And they're all like, okay, uh-huh, Momiji. And he's like, I just want to pinch him. <laughs> yeah, it's really him. funny where he's like, I just think it's, like, a funny little, like, weird act of, like, violence to choose. Because it's, like, not that- it's, like- Because, I mean, they've grown up in this really sort of violent, scary environment. And so Momiji is, like, threatening violence, but in, like, a really bizarre, non-threatening way. Well, because he's also, like, I think that Momiji knows that he cannot take Kyo in a fight. I think if Momiji tried to fight Kyo, yeah. Kyo would wipe the floor yeah, with him. Yeah, because Momiji is, like, a little <laughs> man, and Kyo is a- martial artist um yeah. yeah so funny um so yeah that whole scene was really funny and um oh want to talk about yeah how they gay? you know for all the characters that they're like 
mm, this character who seems really gay and acts really gay is straight though. Um, for some reason they were like, you know what, you can have Momiji. The gays can have Momiji. <laughs> yeah. So like basically like he, and they translated it with, he uses gender neutral language in Japanese, um, which is not that, like that's like very a uh, common way of speaking. Um, they don't like use gender in, in the same way that we do, um, but they translated it as gender neutral as well. Like he says like significant other instead of girlfriend or anything, which like, if they did, tra the word he uses is koibito, which means lover. They translated it as significant other, but they also could have translated it as girlfriend if they wanted to. Yeah. And they didn't. They stuck with gender neutral. Good for them. Uh, they said, the gays can have Momiji. So, thanks thanks for that. Uh, I like his little outfit. He looks yeah. really stupid. Um, Adorable. Yeah. Uh, and... Yeah, I guess we won in this one instance, because Momiji, Momiji's being <laughs> gender neutral about the person he's going to show up to Kyo and Toru's house with to be like, look at how hot and sexy my partner is. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Rin, in a complete non sequitur, just starts talking about Akito. It's literally like she interrupts a conversation that is not about Akito, to talk about Akito in a way that for a second when I watched it the first time, I thought she was talking about Toru. Because that's who they were talking about. They were like, oh, Kyo's taking Toru away. And Rin's like, I can never forgive her. Yeah, this is one of those oh. instances where the shuffling around didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Because it's, so in the manga, she has this conversation with Toru, where she talks about, like, I don't, I don't know if I can ever forgive Akito, like, I, I, the, there are scars that all of us have that we're never going to be able to fully heal, heal from. Um, I feel like there's something wrong with me because I feel like everyone is just acting like Akito didn't even do anything. And, like, it does sort of make sense if, if they had switched the order of the conversation where, like, they're talking about... Did... Uh, was it this scene where someone asked if Shigure was going to get no. married to Akito? Was it I think scene? that was Kagura and Ritsu. Yeah. Oh, that was Kagura and Ritsu, you're right. So so yeah. it is just completely random. <laughs> um and it's like I think it's a it's a it's a conversation that should be had. That like Rin is bringing up good points that like Toru has now gone out of her way to befriend someone who abused her, um abused her Toru's boyfriend and Toru's best friend like Akito has abused everyone who Toru loves and so I think that it is pertinent to bring up that that mm -hmm. can be hurtful um and but they instead gave this scene to gave the emotional comfort in this conversation to Haru which sucks they had to make it hetero it wasn't even gay to begin with um but they had to make it hetero, and just, like, I, I, I think that, like, because of the way that they structured this episode, where it's all of the characters talking about Toru, but not actually interacting with Toru, but they wanted to have this conversation um, in the episode, like, I see why they did it, but, like, it was really clumsily done. Yeah. Like, I think, like, it, as you said, it was, like, it, it's it's a conversation that I think is really interesting and good for Toru and Rin to have with each other, 
and then right because it's not like Haru's gonna no. go befriend Akito. Like, Haru seems to basically <laughs> have, like, calmed down now that the situation has, like, calmed down. But Haru also, like, tried to, like, hit Akito. You know, like, Haru's on your side. Right. And you don't have to stress out. Um, yeah. And so is Momiji. Like, the way that Momiji has interacted with Akito since his curse broke is not the way that no. Toru interacts with Akito. Um... So, yeah, it was a weird, misplaced little conversation. Audacity does not want us to be able to get through this scene. They want us to talk about Momiji and Haru and Reen forever. Uh, yeah, I think we were talking about how... Uh, yeah, how would how yeah, so she has this conversation about Haru instead of Toru, and it doesn't make any sense and it's completely yeah. random. And then the scene ends, basically. Oh no! No! And then Hana's there! No. Hana's there for some reason. So like I I like are they implying that Hana is dating I, Kazuma? Because I'm choosing not to I interpret it that way. Don't want to interpret it that way. I feel like that's an ins I I just, I, I do not see it, if that is what they are trying to say. Um, yeah, it, like, doesn't even doesn't make any sense. sense. And also, like, Kazuma is talking to her so candidly. Hana knows about she the curse. She knows about the fucking curse. Also, I don't know why Kinamitsu is, like, freaking out. Maybe he's just scared of her? That's what I'm choosing to believe. Of <laughs> Hanajima? I mean, random hilarious. people are scared of her, so, like... Um, so true. So... Yeah. The the true mystery is why the fuck is Hana there talking about the curse like she knows like at any anything. I mean, she can read minds. <laughs> That's like I'm really choosing that this entire time, like to believe that like she's been reading their minds and she knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, god. Dude, the way Hana Jima knew that Kyo was going to get locked up after graduation. <laughs> God. Hilarious. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like they can't be implying Hana and Kurono are or Hana and Kazuma are dating. A because I hate it, and B because like listen, Fruits Basket and Another is not canon. But also they are not together in Fruits Basket and Another, I'm pretty sure. Like she has a kid ambiguously, but it's like with an unnamed character. And he's a foreigner. And he's a foreigner. So it's definitely not Cosimo. So it's I have not. no idea what's happening um, and why she's here. I I I kind of feel like it might be a joke, like a meta joke. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's confusing. <laughs> it's very very weird. Um, and then we get we go to a, a, a truly a couple with absolutely no chemistry whatsoever. Like even less chemistry than Yukimachi, because at least Yukimachi like they they're acquainted. Yeah. They're friends. They're friends. Yeah. Uo and Kurono, on the other no. hand. St complete strangers. Strangers. I don't... Kurono's fucking desolate bachelor pad. It's enormous and empty. He lives in, like, a, like a Why warehouse. Why are you doing this, sir? Like... So funny. I choose to believe in my head that he rolls out a futon just, like, completely in the middle of the room. <laughs> just... <laughs> And then, and then for the rest of the day, he, like, puts it away, because he really needs the yeah. extra space. 
and and then he just stares out the window all day <laughs> and hopes that Uotani calls him. Gods. You're a sad Karenno, man. please do anything else. Anything. Like, you don't have to live like this. Oh, my this. God. They have no chemistry None. at all. She's just like, I'm going to need to eat. And he's like, I'll feed you that. He's like, that thing we had when that one time that we hung out, because we only hung out yeah. one time. God. And she's like, oh, I remember that, because it was only <laughs> once. Fucking crazed. Yeah. Bad. Bad. Kurano, I'm so sorry. I mean, like, Uotani, I'm sorry, but, like, it's, like, I think that Uotani, like, could have gone down a path like Kanajima, where she doesn't really have a character arc. Like, I would have, like, been totally satisfied with that, because not every character needs a character arc. Kurano needed one. Yeah. And he was set up to have one, and then he just doesn't have it. Kurano, he's like, yeah, all of my all of my decisions still revolve around Akito uh, to the very end, and also um, I'm gonna date a child. <sighs> Kurano, fuck you. It fuck would you, have man. been better if he had died. <laughs> it literally would have been better if he had died. Because yeah. <laughs> then Uotani wouldn't have gotten Yeah. Cut-oed. And... It would have had, I don't know, interesting consequences. Akito would have... Then Akito really would have yeah, gone to jail. Akito would have gone to jail. That, yeah, okay. But, yeah, it was not Yeah, Kurono couldn't die because Akito would have yeah, gone to jail. so true. And that would have conflicted with the themes of Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but they're bad and have no chemistry. Yeah. And, and it's funny because, like, the very next scene is Ayame and Mine, who have so much yeah. chemistry... And about just as much scream time together as Uo and And Kurono. they're just, like, having fun, goofing around. Uh, It's such a good... I love this little scene with Ayame and Mine. It's hilarious. They're so Um, funny. Just absolutely scream... I feel so bad for their neighbors, because they're, like, constantly (laughs) fucking screaming. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So true. And... I choose to believe that they own the... Like, it's, like, his shop on the bottom, and then they're up on top. Yeah. That's the only reason that they haven't been murdered by anyone who was near them. Um, yeah, they're, they're so, so loud. loud. I just, you know, it's cute. Like, I always like it's it's bittersweet when children leave the nest, but that's why we have to send them fetish wear in the mail. <laughs> He's such an icon. He's like I'm Yuki's de facto parent. I'm sending him a dress. <laughs> I fucking love him. Oh, <laughs> that's what I he'll just- like. A maid dress. I loved- he liked it last time he was here. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure this is an anime-only little scene. I don't remember this from the manga, and I love that they just include the fact that Ayame sends really, ex- like, extravagant care packages. I think it's, like, such a perfect in-character detail. Um, it's so good. It's so good. Because it's, like, I like like I said, like, jokingly, but I think that Ayame kind of does view himself as Yuki's de facto parent, and also just, like, he has- I think that, like- he has grown into his big brother instinct just in general because he's also sending care packages to Toru. Yeah. Um, and, um, like, he's sending he's sending them the love he thinks they both deserve and the way that he does that is by sending them handmade fetish wear. Yeah, he's sending them, like, the love that he feels like he wants them to have. And he's It's cute. It's very sweet. Um, I also know that he 
sends you D, like, 8,000 condoms. Just so many condoms. My mom it's true. sent me her out lesbian daughter, who she knew was a lesbian, like, a box of condoms with me to college, and I was just like, okay, mom, and she's like, you them to your friends, and I was like, what? Um, I did actually end up giving <gasps> some of them to my friends. They were useful. So there yeah. you go. They were useful. Um, but yeah, no, you know Yuki just has like bulk packages of condoms like shoved into his closet somewhere because I am and keep sending them to him, and he's like, please. So so much lube. So much lube. He has so much um, lube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone thinks he's really, like, sex positive, and he's like, no, I just can't stop my brother. (laughs) I just can't stop him. (laughs) He's I'm sex negative. He's like, please, I'm a weird prude. My brother is just a freak. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, but really good and cute. Then we go down in chemistry again, but not back to Uo and Kareno levels. They are- they're, they're, like, good friends. It's, like, they have, like, a rapport- they like each other. They just, like, shouldn't be dating. Yeah. It's so... I, I, I really like... She's, she's like, I can't even imagine you in a swimsuit. Uh-huh. <laughs> Explain. Like, let's, let's talk about that. Um, is it because you're not attracted <laughs> to him at all? It's like... Oh, God. Like, I mean, I look terrible in a swimsuit. Like, I'm, like, too tall and I don't have any boobs. Like, I have a terrible figure. And Hattori's like... Yeah. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Hattori! You asshole! You're right. You don't have to tell me that you have no boobs. Such a dick. You asshole. <laughs> and Shigure's the asshole. No, it's Hattori. It's because they're literally not attracted to each other, like, at all. Date a woman. You're literally a lesbian. It's fine. Stop doing this to yourself. It's not gonna work out for you. And then they do the classic fruits basket thing where they have something in there that I liked, even though I like hate the like the framing. Like it's like so right. So they have a flashback to Toru in the snow. And then it's like um, Mayu and Hatsuri like in they're planning a summer trip and it's summer. Uh, and Kano was obviously spring. Um, and I like that like it's it's not like a new relationship but it's something that's like more mature and like kind of like lingers like it's lasting um i i don't like like i don't think it fits but i yeah i appreciate the effort (laughs) you tried you you at least i appreciate you reaching for some like symbolism continuity even though this relationship is bad yeah right yeah um (laughs) My next note just says, Akito, honey, you um, look like shit. My next note says, Akito looks terrible and so uncomfortable. Someone help them. They look miserable. It's, it's just, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm getting on board with your theory that Akito just like way overshoots the femininity at first and then like settles back into something yeah. that's more like Akito. Um, because I simply cannot stand to think that Akito dresses like this for the rest of their life. I think it makes total- I think a lot of the time- you see, like, 
I think when you're trans, a lot of times you go through kind of an ugly duckling period where, you're, like, because you're raised, like, trying to understand, like, this fashion rules and stuff for the gender you were raised as, and, like, that's what you think about, and that's, like, what you're familiar with, so then when you start to try dressing a different way, often you'll, like, kind of struggle to find your style, um, and struggle to, like, dress in a way that flatters you, and I think this is Akito being like, I guess I'm gonna be a woman now, what do women wear? I don't know, Toru dresses like this, I like Toru, and then it's like, oh god, I look weird, I can, no one can see my face, I'm wearing a bucket hat, like, women wear bucket hats, um, but they look really uncomfortable and also bad, and someone needs to give them a haircut. Dude, someone did give them a haircut, but they hate Akito. Whoever gave <laughs> Akito that haircut hates them. Because even if Akito grew out, like, with their hair, like, it looks like, it looks like Akito cut their own hair with, like, the dullest pair of scissors they could find. That's well, Michi was like, like, bestie, I can cut your hair. <laughs> Momiji cut Akito's hair with, like, the, you know the scissors that in, like, elementary school classrooms that uh, they, like, cut paper and, like, a pattern? Yeah, yeah, Like yeah, a yeah. zigzag? That's yeah. what Momiji used. Pinking shears. Yeah. Yeah. God. Um, and Shigurei's being a huge dick. God. What a good send-off to these two. Akito acting like they've never acted before. Dressed like... I don't know. They're dressed like Toru, except they don't look good. And Shigurei's just being an asshole. That's- that is how we leave them. That is yep. true. <laughs> Incredible. Thanks, Takaya. Stunning. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Yeah. That's all I really had to say about that. Yeah. It wasn't that deep. It really wasn't. And then we get this very cute, very good little moment that did make me experience a lot of emotions. Um, with Yuki and Kyo. With Yuki and Kyo. I loved this scene. It was really good. It's, it's like, as, like, I don't, I'm not, like, crazy happy about, like, how Takaya, like, culminated Yuki and Kyo's relationship but i think that like there are parts of it that are good and realistic like like i like that like the thing that connects them is still very much toru mm -hmm. and they're not exactly like friends but they can acknowledge that they are probably going to be a part of each other's lives like for the long run um and that they can tolerate each other now like there's yeah. no reason to be so hostile to one another yeah and at this point they like i don't know it's like they have this history but they also are kind of like able to kind of appreciate each other for who they are now and like appreciate that even though they've never really been friends they have like shared a part of their life together yeah. yeah and are going to continue sharing their life together in some way going forward yeah right i like i like the way this scene is like adapted like i like that it's in this like kind of dim hallway and it's this kind of like mundane conversation where it's just like oh yeah there's food in the kitchen like we're basically done packing we're gonna head over to whatever 
and Yuki's like, can I go talk to Toru? Like, I just want a moment, and Kyo's like, yeah, she's over there. Like, again, like, I like how they're just, like, never actually that competitive over Toru. Um, mm, yeah. It's, like, just a good through line of their not-love triangle. Takaya Queen <laughs> of writing not-love triangles when literally anyone else would have written this as a love triangle. Um, yeah, totally. I also like that this, like, whole, like, scene, like, from when Yuki walks into the house mirrors the first episode. Um, the, like, where, like, Kyo is standing on the stairs in the first episode, there's actually, when Yuki passes around that corner, you can see that in the window behind him, Kyo is standing in the tree. Mm-hmm. And now in this one, Kyo is the one moving up the stairs, um, and the window behind them is empty. Um, yeah. And then when they continue on, like, Yuki and Toru... Like, Toru's on the Engoa, um, where they met, except this time, like, Toru's already there. Like, because she was standing in the yard in the first episode. Um, and Yuki comes in from the house. Um, and, yeah. yeah, this whole scene takes place where they first met. That was so true. One thing that, like, this remind you bringing up Kyo standing in the tree made me remember the fact that Toru brings up the fact that when they first met like, Kyo crashed through the window. I thought Kyo being embarrassed about that was so cute and funny. He was like, oh god, I really was like that. Um, I really did just destroy your ceiling. (laughs) He's like, holy shit, I was an insane 15-year-old. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, and I, I liked, I liked Yuki and Kyo, like, calling each other, like, stupid cat and stupid rat, like, in kind of an affectionate way, where it's, yeah, yeah, like, they're not pretending, like, they haven't had this crazy relationship growing up, but now they can, like, let it be something normal and, like, move on and not, like, care, not, like, try to pretend like it never happened, but also not carry on that enmity. Yeah, definitely. Um, Okay. This was, like, this scene between Yuki and Toru was one of the scenes that I've been looking forward to, like, from the beginning of the reboot. And, like, I thought it was so well done. I did cry both times I watched it. Um, Shimazaki, I would fucking die for you. And also, I just think that the way it was directed was really nice, too. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, like I was saying, like, instead of Toru being outside and Yuki inside... Um, which is how it was in the first episode. They're both on the Engoa together having this conversation. Um, and just, like, Yuki telling Toru, like, how much she means to him. And, like, one line in particular that I took down was, you made me a person. (laughs) Yeah. Ugh. It's just, like, before meeting Toru, like, Yuki was, he felt so alienated from other people, and I also think, like, I think he felt, like, subhuman, like, both, like, from the curse, like, literally not a human, as well as, like, the abuse that he internalized. Um, and also, like, and and I think that he just felt that, like, no one could ever love him, which I think is a common thing that people who were, like, severely abused think about themselves. And Toru just met him with such just, like, gentle love and, like, unconditional acceptance that it helped Yuki accept both himself and love from others. And he helped him, and help him realize that he does deserve love, just like everyone else. Um, and that the curse and his abuse 
doesn't define him or make him inherently unlovable. And I also like, like, with this line, the, you know, you made me a person. It's not, she didn't fix him. Okay. <sighs> we keep having technical difficulties. As I was saying, Toru doesn't fix Yuki. Toru gives Yuki what he needs to work on himself. Um, and, like, I really appreciate that about Fruits Basket, that, like, even though Toru does very much function as a really big emotional support, and it could go down that trope of the woman fixing the man, she doesn't do that for anyone, including Kyo, which I really like because I feel like women fixing their love interests is super common and I hate it. Um, but she doesn't, she doesn't fix anyone. She just is herself. And as herself, she is so loving and accepting that it helps people make the decision that they are deserving of her love. And that means that they're deserving of other people's love and that they need to love themselves. Um, so, like... It's just, like... Uh, she helps yeah. people meet that, like, baseline sort of emotional need to, like, even begin to start, like, processing their shit and getting themselves... Because it's just, like, it, whatever... It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs or whatever. Like, there's a certain, like, threshold you need to reach of, like, basic functionality before you can really start to unpack your shit and, like, internalize that you are, like, a person deserving of love and, like, capable of good or whatever your particular neuroses is about yourself. And I think that, like, Toru just being, like, an extremely compassionate person who meets people where they are and isn't trying to ever like force someone to be what they're not and extremely unjudgmental she just like helps people feel safe enough to be able to start like working on themselves yeah yeah and it also reminds me of like this is something that they talk about in Kusa's episode in season one where they're like like the teacher like sends the letter and they're like you have to love yourself before anyone can love you and Haru and Yuki are like that's fucking bullshit um and like it it reminds me of that because it's like Yuki hated himself in the beginning of Fruits Basket, and Toru loved him anyway. Yeah. And that's what helped him, like, get past that self-loathing. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then he tells Toru that he sees her as a mother. Ugh! I love it because it's something that was so wrapped up in shame for so long. And... And now he can tell her, and, like, that is just so huge that, like, it's not only that he's telling her how much she means to him, but exactly what it is that she means to him, and it's not something that he's ashamed of anymore. Yeah. I mean, it was, like, this huge thing where, like, he was, like, slowly, incrementally figuring out how to be more and more vulnerable with her, and he would talk around his issues and talk around the way he's thankful for her. And she always just kind of was like, okay, I'll just meet you where you are in this vague little place. But now he's finally, like, able to really precisely articulate it, which is something that, like, he just has a, he's finally able to do. It's so, it's just, like, it's so satisfying because it's really, like, been, like, seasons, like, just, like, the whole story has been building up to this, you know? Right. Yeah, because yeah, it's just, like, I really, like, I consider, like, Toru and Yuki, like, the core of Fruits Basket because their, like, their friendship is the reason that Fruits Basket, like, that, that the, 
that she gets involved with the somas and everything like obviously like i would say like the biggest and most prominent plot thread in fruits basket is kyo and toru um but but yuki and toru's relationship is the reason that she even knows them yeah like the rest of the somas um and like the story like starts off with him um just giving her a chance and and thinking maybe i can have a connection with this person um and being met with compassion and like a desire for friendship like an explicit desire for friendship um and he leaves the story like with this person who is going like who like they're gonna love each other like for the rest of their lives yeah like i think like he leaves with a very very special relationship with her i also really love that he's like he has this moment where it's, like, him finally articulating this big thing about himself, and then he, like, goes on, and he's, like, and, like, you mean this, like, you mean so much to, like, so many other people, too, and, like, they might not say it, and they might not feel exactly the same way about it, but you've improved the lives of so many other people, and, like, you're always going to be in our hearts for that, and I think, and it's, like, and it's, you know, it's, it cuts away to scenes, of like, Toru with different, like, characters, and I think that's also, like, mm-hmm. a big thing where Toru is this character that starts out the story with basically, with, like, nothing. And, like, no yeah. one. She's an orphan. She's been, like, kicked out by her family, more or less, because she doesn't know how to, like, set any boundaries or, like, stick up for herself at all. Um, and now she's leaving with, like, an entire, like, network of people who love her and care for her. Um, and it's this, like, it's this family that she's really, like, wanted her whole life and it's like like the sense of security I think that she has from like because like growing up she obviously she like had her mother who was like um, obviously like an amazing person but I think she was still extremely isolated because her like the only person she really had was her mom and like then in middle school like Hana and Uo which like if your whole life is dependent on a single person it puts you in a really vulnerable position which is how Toru ended up in a tent in the woods but now Toru has, like, an entire network of people she can rely on, um, which I think is just, like, puts her in a place that makes it a lot easier for her to feel, like, emotionally secure, like, going forward in her life. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And I also really like, like, that reassurance that he gives her, because, like, I think an insecurity of Yugi's with his relationship with Toru is that he thinks of it as, like, unequal, because she's the one always offering emotional support to him and not the other way around. But and and that's also like a conflict that's Yuki, that Yuki has had, where like he feels like he's putting himself in front of others because he just has so much damage and baggage that he needs to address that he doesn't even have the emotional energy to be there for other people. Um, but like now, like we see, like as like he knows that like Toru feeling isolated and like people don't like her is one of her insecurities, and he's he now has the emotional energy and the maturity to be able to like reach out to her and and offer her emotional support Mm -hmm. yeah um i wanted to go back a little bit um after he says that he sees her as a mother he steps off the angoa like right after which i like it's very i think he's very like very much free of the things that are caging him so now he's outside um and then he says I know it's a little uncool, but, and she interrupts him, no, it's, and he says, but you know what? I think that goes for the others too. Um, which I really liked that exchange. Cause I think that Toru was about to assure him that he's cool no matter what. Cause like, 
that's Toru. But I think that, like, that doesn't really matter to Yuki anymore. Like, I think he he doesn't hold himself to the impossible standards that he used to anymore. And he's able to acknowledge that him and everyone else has unsightly emotion and flaws, and that's okay. Like, he doesn't always have to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, yeah, it calls back to, like, his hang-ups, like, about, like, feel it like emotional weakness and how he's like now it's it's fine if i have emotions that are like unpleasant or kind of embarrassing or weird like yeah yeah um and then he says her name uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> <He> finally uh, <laughs> Shimazaki also ah, he really did like that the way he like builds up to it with the thank yous and like I he's really like he's like I'm gonna date I'm gonna say it I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna say this. it <laughs> oh. oh so good so why is Yuki and Toru the best relationship in Fruits Basket they're really good obsessed they're really really good I love them yeah I love Yuki. Um, he really just does have, like, one of the most satisfying complex plot arcs of all time. All time. Yeah. It's so good. So good. It's unreal. So rewarding. Just, it feels, like, so good and cathartic and, like, it's just great. I love him. Yeah. yeah. Takaya did go off on Yuki. She really did. She really did. We've been bullying her a lot this episode, but she went off. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. Wow. Yuki. Um, and then we get some... And then we get a transition into the little... The end. Yeah, the sort of epilogue. We have some... Well, we have... I really like the transition. It's like, it's like a bunch of shots of, like, um, Toru with her old family... You know, Shigure, Yuki, Kyo, um, to her new family, um, Kyo and their children and their grandchildren. Yeah. The little girl who looks just like Toru, like, running through the halls with the cat and the rat plush. Yeah. Very cute. I love how much of, like, how spunky her, their grandchild is. She's yeah. so cute. Yeah. She's really funny. I like that Toru told her grandkids to call them by their first names. Like, that's very, like, quirky Toru. Yeah. Like, it totally tracks. Yeah, extremely. Um. Uh, I enjoyed all the photos next to the mm -hmm. Zodiac and the Jisoo beads. Yeah. Like, again, just going back to the past, the present, and the future. Yeah. For sure. Um, Takaya doesn't understand her own continuity a little bit, but that's, like, because it's, it's fine. fine. Like, the beads... In, in Fruits Basket Another, which I truly do not consider canon, uh, their son wears the beads, but, like, in a different pattern as, like, some kind of sign of, like, respect for his father. I have no fucking idea. I hate that for the record. It doesn't make... It's weird. Um, but in this, it's... I mean... Well, this is after Effiana. <laughs> Did he, like, t 
put it back on the- I have no idea. I, I don't know, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. No, she retconned- I think she retconned it when she wrote Fruits Basket and Yeah. Her. Because this was in the manga. Yeah, I don't- Kaya, anyway. Um, but the beads are on the mantle, and I think- I think this is a nice place for the beads. Like, there with their photos on the shelf, and like, the little zodiac- Definitely. Uh, thing that includes the cat, of course. The cat yeah, roommate. Yeah, of course. Um, I did big cry when it showed us them holding hands. Yeah. Oh! I love that panel from the manga, and it's just... Yeah, it's a lot. It's just, like, they, they really did get to have that future together and build that life together that yeah. they fought so hard to have. And, like, hearing Kyoko's voice be like... Because it's like, Kyoko had such a sad, shitty little life, but at least, like, her dying wish came true. You know? Right. Ah! Fruits basket. Wow, it's over! It's over. we get one last shot of the hat. I wish they had ended on the shot of them walking in the garden, but oh well. I actually kind of like that it was the shot of the hat. Because it just evokes, like, the three of them. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Because it's like, even though she married Kyo, like, Yuki was just as important. True. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's just an uglier shot. It is an uglier shot. You are so fucking right about that. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. (laughs) Um, But, yeah. yeah, Wow. wow. Three years of our lives. Three. Not three. Fifteen. God. So much. We're going to have a postmortem episode next week. Um, So, reminder, if you have any questions for us, our curious cat is in our Twitter bio. Um, and we have, um, either, like, our Soma So Good Tumblr ass box, or you can send it to mine, Yuki Soma Smokes Weed, whichever works for you. Um, and we'll be answering them, um, next week, along with our other postmortem stuff. Um, otherwise, um, thanks for listening, um, and we'll see you next week!